0: I am a wayfarer on the waking way just like you. Years ago, in a time of despair, I was given cause to consider my small place in the whole of creation. The old questions that have perplexed us for ages were haunting me as well. Why are we here? Must there be a reason for our existence? How do we balm our sufferings enlighten our minds, and awaken our hearts. Are there powers, energies, and realities just beyond our ability to comprehend them? Like a new day rising, a fervor to understand these things illuminated my inner East. The discoveries along the way have been manifold, malleable, and colorful. Like a kaleidoscope, the teachings and practices I have gathered continue to shift and bend imprinting on the textures of daily life just as it is. My ministry arrives in the form of sharing this extremely personal, varied, sacred, ordinary way with you. Let us traverse this landscape together as siblings. I pray you will join me for a time. I am your brother Oren, and this is my witness to the wisdom cry of the Dawn Deacon. Today, I'd like to talk to you about something that I've been thinking about for a few weeks and in truth have been coming to terms with, or maybe that's not the right phrase, learning to accept, and it's not something new. In truth it's something I've been learning to accept my whole life, before I dive into it too far, I want to preface by saying that it's going to be easy for it to sound like an intense judgment of others. But the thing that I need to accept, and I hope you'll accept, is that it's also a judgment of myself. And perhaps... an even harsher judgment at that. Oddly enough, this morning... is the perfect morning to talk about this. I got up early this morning long before first light and enjoyed some rich coffee I had intentions of driving a little further south to watch the sunrise over some water There's a dense, dense fog that's settled over the pasture lands where I live. Truly, driving was almost dangerous at the hour that I was on the road. Really couldn't see 10 feet in front of my vehicle. But as it is, to drive near the area I was trying to reach, there's really not a lot of safe turnaround points. So I had to continue until I could find a safe place to turn around and head back to one of my favorite and most comfortable places to walk a local park near my home. I've watched the sun come up here many, many times, and there are just days where I'd like to lay my eyes on something different. Still looking at the same place over and again, season after season during all types of weather even the dense fog of the morning today is really a beautiful and interesting thing it makes me think of living in a body and how it's much the same way it's what we have season after season we watch it change grow Age, wither, be broken, heal, eventually die. It's interesting when you get up with an intention and that intention really can't be resolved. ironic the dense fog and the thick clouds that cover the sky while there is light to walk by is not the sunrise that I'd anticipated and this leads me into the reflection I'd like to share And it's this, it's more of a question. What do we do whenever there's something that we care about deeply, something that we almost feel called to, something we're passionate about, some concern for the world in general, something particular that's very clear, needs to be addressed. Something that we feel moved to do something about. Something that we have the capacity to deal with in small ways. Something that we know would change the quality of life for so many. Generally, if only a large enough group of people took small actions. What do we do when we know this and we see it and it's so plain and then we ourselves begin to take right actions, first steps, and build momentum. We see the beginnings of the fruit forming from whatever it is that we've sown. And yet, we look out at the world and it seems that no one cares about what we care for. And no one is as concerned No one seems to carry that burden. What happens when this goes on for many, many years? How do we avoid becoming disheartened? I've had many versions of this conversation over the last few weeks and one particular version of it came as I was visiting with my oldest boy and my wife and it occurred to me that it's actually during these times when we are disheartened when we wake up with a fervor to see the light and the light is obscured it's actually in these moments that we learn resilience and we learn what and we actually believe what is real within us and what is actually usable and practical when we question if something that's on us or upon us an action, a thought, a desire a purpose when we question whether that has value to anyone else And when we look around and we see that perhaps we're not getting the signals that it does, it's very easy to give up, to quit. And over the years I've wondered about many of those things and those times where I've went through that and laid down a practice or a passion, a belief, and laid it down and stepped away from it so I could analyze it again. 20 years ago, there are things that I cared about deeply, problems, broken things, things that required attention, And 20 years later, I can very easily see that those things still ail the world. They still hurt, hurt our planet, hurt our fellow human beings, hurt all the creatures, decrease our quality of life. And yet, I continue to pick them up again with fresh eyes. Take new actions, try new things, apply new strategies, use the resources at hand. on some base layer, layer, there's this wish, this idea, this great hope, this want to change hearts and minds and to change the world. And I think while the fuel is there, The desire is there. Sometimes it's easy... to overstate our own importance. Everyone who's ever done anything well... has probably wondered at some point... why... They haven't reaped the rewards of others. The same rewards. That's been a sneaky thought of mine. And then that's also when I when I use that as an actual signal. And the word reward itself... Needs to be revisited. It's an opportunity to check my intention, check my ego. Why do something instead of nothing? I've often asked that question of my podcast guests. I'm finding the good news. Why do you choose to do something instead of nothing? Is it for a little fame, a little attention, a little boost, that personal dope, the ego dope, or is it to actually help? Is it because you saw something cracked and broken that hurts your brothers and sisters, human and otherwise, and you felt that you had the resources or the healing hands needed? to apply a compress on a wound of some sort. I'd be curious to know what you think about that. Have you ever felt that you saw something broken in the world? Broken in people? Broken in places? Broken in cultures? Some type of pain... Or aberration in your culture collectively. Something that you wondered if only a large enough group adopted certain ideas or principles or actions, we could actually turn the dial together and leave something healthier. And more whole for our children or our friends children or just generations that come after us you know I'm sure you've heard the old saying about the man who plants a tree knowing that he'll never sit beneath the shade of its branches but he does the work anyway i like that i do see people changing the world i do meet and talk to people who are doing good and on some level that gives me hope but in visiting with those people Most of them have the same, or at some point, have had the same thoughts. Should I continue? What's the point? Oddly enough, for me, I often look to the Stations of the Cross, which is mostly a Catholic practice. But it's one that I've found great value in. If you're familiar with the Stations of the Cross, or even if you're not, essentially it was the Way of Sorrows, and it was organized or created by Franciscans. You see many pilgrims, Christian pilgrims, would go make pilgrimages to Jerusalem and walk the, what is believed to be, the passionate path of Jesus where he was presented to the authorities, tortured, beaten, punished, And carried his cross through the streets of Jerusalem, mocked and humiliated, greeted by several people along the way, even assisted by people along the way. And I assume we all know where that sorrowful path eventually led to a cruel cross and yet if you're a Christian you believe or hold that something was accomplished you know years ago and honestly I haven't thought about this until just now I Went to a hospital. There was a relative, an in-law, who was having an emergency surgery that they couldn't afford. Whole family was there. And that evening I went outside to get some air to the parking garage. I stood in the dark in the parking garage and looked out on the hospital and saw the sign. The hospital was named after a Christian saint. I remember thinking this at the time, how interesting that today. The hospital was filled with human beings, suffering human beings, who did not have the resources to acquire their needed medical care. And this is not a podcast, to, or an episode at least, to bring up the reasons that that could be the systems that have created that situation that's a topic for another time but I remember thinking how the motivation finds its beginning on that dreadful path through Jerusalem And even those Franciscans who created and organized the practice of revisiting the Stations of the Cross wherever one might find themselves in the world. And how even that hospital, as I stand, stood there in the garage, and all those people were receiving Free care found its place there on that bloody, difficult path through a city in a faraway land. Now I know Christians hold that a covenant was made, a new covenant, and that mystical things happened that the sin of the world was absolved and truly I don't want to get in the weeds on that because you can speak to any number of Christians and you might get a different theological answer as to what actually happened and in truth I've held to many Of those same things over the years and I still hold to some even today though they may not align with the mainstream or accepted versions but that's neither here nor there and begins to deviate from my original point in the stations of the cross One will find that in the retelling and the revisiting that Jesus falls three different times and while there's a lot of other symbols that are very powerful to meditate on when one reflects on the stations of the cross it's in the falling and then the getting up that I find comfort. As the decades go by, I look back and I see how many times I've fallen down, how many times I've taken up a beam, a log and placed it on my shoulders. And how at times it gets so heavy It's too much to bear And I fall I lay it down And I honestly Can say I've often Had thoughts that I would not pick this back up again And yet With a time a Little assistance from the people I meet along the way hope springs again and I take up the beam and walk with it to the next station in my own life I too hope that I meet people along the way like Simon of Cyrene as the story goes, who was pulled from the crowd to help Jesus carry his beam. It wasn't his place to do it. It wasn't his burden. He didn't arrive to mock the man. He had no stakes. but the circumstances changed things aligned and it was placed in front of him to do and so he did he assisted whether that is a legend or whether it actually happened is irrelevant the point remains the same and the lesson can be learned in Simon I think Sometimes we meet people along the way, others who see the beam we carry, the particular beam, whatever it may be, the small cross, the small cross that has a name that's just for you, just one fiber. And they see that name, they relate to it and they help you carry it they make it their own i find some type of comfort in that but the question i suppose my original question was what happens when there is no simon What happens when there's only a crowd of mockers? Or a sea of apathetic faces with no concern? It's like you want to scream, don't you see the road? This sorrowful path that we're treading? Don't you see this cross we're headed towards? And please, please, I hope you understand I'm not speaking in theological terms, but metaphorically. This cross, this pain that we're walking towards, this great suffering, that's the metaphor. I hope for Simon's and Veronica's who offer us assistance along the way I hope to meet the group of believers and the women of Jerusalem who hold fast and carry on as well even though they know the way is hard and the truth is the real truth if I step outside of my woes and ohs and pity all ego things i see those people along the way and i'm sure you do too if you stop long enough who has helped you who has listened to you who has joined you on the road to do a small thing who has shown you care. They're there. I know it may seem like they're not. But they're there doing what they can do. Carrying what they can carry. I often think about what different things are made of. And Lately, I've been thinking about this a lot, about what one can and cannot do. I am removing fence posts from my property after the storm that hit us last year. I don't have the money for heavy equipment I don't have the resources to invest to remove poles that are sunk so deep in the ground. Posts really. With three feet of concrete buried beneath a layer of soil. And yet with over 30 posts to do it feels like it'll never be done. But recently I found a way that I can do using another post as strong as the post I'm trying to pull in the simple machine of a lever and axis I don't want to get off into the mechanics but it is a affordable way ...to remove the posts... ...but it requires a certain strength... ...a certain type of body. I was born into the body I have. It's not a small body. And nor is it a weak body. I may not be agile or fit but for whatever reason this body I have that carries me has a type of brute force to it a resiliency and a type of strength to do brute force things Things that require something sturdy and steadfast. It's nothing fancy. So to remove the poles, I can strap my lever and stone, but without the brute strength to move the lever, the poles would stay in the ground. This is my job to do in my family. Not for lack of desire or willingness to help, but my wife can't do that physically. It's not the way her body is made. Nor do my sons have that physicality. They can't help me. It's my job to do in the community of my family. Why? Because I was made that way. I am the one within the group. And so I do it. And it's slow. And in some days it feels like I don't want to. and the other days it feels like it'll never be finished but every other day lately since I've figured out a method that works I put my body into it and do as much as I can until I can't this is not something I tell you to get a little pride or an attaboy this is just the way things fell this is my startingness. this is what I can do i tell you that story so we hopefully can together understand why some people can't commit to the same things we're passionate about Some of these things are hard. I don't know what you're passionate about. But you obviously care about it and you feel called to it. Perhaps that's your sturdiness. Perhaps that's what you're made of and for. Perhaps you have the grit. Whether it's psychologically or physically emotionally or maybe your circumstances in life have offered you resources that others don't have then that is for you to do and it is good do not become disheartened as I have over the years and if you do I hope you will not lose hope. But if you do, I hope it returns. I hope that even listening to this will be a comfort to you to know that one, you're not alone in that dread feeling that no one cares, but also. That, given enough time and with conscious reflection you may find that there have been helpers along the way and what you're doing this path you're walking these stations in your life you may fall but you can get back up pick up your beam and continue through the crowd through the apathetic the unconcerned and even that may be planting a seed that will grow under the earth for a long long time before the first leaves break the soil Before a flower unfolds, reaches for the sky, before hummingbirds and bees can do their work inside the petals, this takes time. Just like that hospital parking garage that I stood in all those decades ago. What you do, though you may not see it, could have positive echoes across time and affect others. So, if you're listening to this, and that's you, maybe today it's just enough to know that out here somewhere... You have a brother, a sibling. That has had the same fears. And the same restarts. And has encountered the same friends. Has fallen and skinned his knees too. I hope that this... Reflection, as convoluted as it may seem, can act as a hand reaching down into that space to walk along with you. Thank you so much for taking this foggy, wet morning walk with me. As I say that, I look behind me through the fog and see the light barely shining through. It's a sign that the fog will lift soon. everything that I can't see will be seen. May all beings have happiness and the causes of happiness. May all be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. May we all rejoice in the well-being of others. And may we all live in peace, free from greed and hatred. Brother Oren Parker is the producer and host of The Dawn Deacon and the Find the Good News podcast. As a licensed ecumenical minister, he practices universal spiritual accompaniment, offering a brother's ear to fellow seekers. Oren provides baptism, blessing, and union ceremonies, as well as tailored rituals to memorialize special occasions or blessings to sanctify personal spaces. Brother Oren also officiates weddings and funerals. For information or to contact Oren, visit findthegood.news or email Oren at orenparker.com